0: Welcome back everyone to the Xamarin podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of xamarin.net, Azure and more. I'm Matt Soka
1: and I'm James Montemagno. Matt, Matt, Matt. I like when you do the intro because you we 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 talk a bunch before the podcast starts and then immediately when we start you kind of go into this presenter mode and you're like I'm you know and you kind of get into it and your 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 entire voice changes 100%. I don't know if you realize that at all. You should hear my morning radio (laughs) DJ
0: voice, James, now presenting Mad Soka on the Drive Time Radio 92.1 KXFM.
1: That's pretty much that's pretty much what it is. I mean, I appreciate it. I'm not I'm not bagging on at all. I definitely appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful, uh, sunshiny, rainy day right here in Seattle. So perfect. Always
0: raining. It's rained every day for like the last 60 days. So, no, we had two two sunny days in a row and that's been
1: it since the new year. Yeah, it's been pretty not great. And uh, yeah, it continues to not be great today. But you know, it doesn't matter because we're here. We have so much news, so much ridiculousness. I figure we just hop right into it. Matt, how you yeah. feel about that?
0: We got to get going. We have to get going. So James, I haven't seen you in like a month. And I know you've been busy. So why don't you fill me in on what's been what's new? What is new has- with Microsoft?
1: It has been a, uh, it's been a a, a jam-packed January, that is for sure. In January, the month that never, that we never thought would end, uh, finally ended. And then we kicked off February with some crazy huge events uh, around dual screen devices, the Surface Neo and Surface Duo and Windows 10X. And everything sort of happened uh, on the 11th. This was this big day. There's this Microsoft 365 developer day. And Microsoft 365, if you're not really aware of what this, is is you can sort of think of it as microsoft 365 is two parts there's a consumer part and then there is a uh, developer part and the consumer part are all of the things that consumers would buy so they buy devices they buy identity they buy uh, office 365 they bought you know know, xbox stuff all that stuff and then the developer part of is all the things that developers can build for those products. So that includes Windows and Office and the graph. And now it includes the Surface Duo device and uh, the Android bits and pieces for that and Windows 10X so it's all this stuff. Um, also part of Microsoft 365 are the other developer services, such as you know, Visual Studio, Azure, things that maybe you're using from Microsoft that aren't necessarily for Microsoft shipping services so obviously Xamarin is part of that too because you know you're using Visual Studio and .net and the ecosystem so um, if you've ever heard of Microsoft 365, you might think Office 365, not to be confused there. And and so there's that. So there's it, sort of that framing there. Does that sound correct, Matt? You might even know more than I do.
0: No, I think you hit it right on the bullseye. And I learned something. So I did not know all about that. And in typical Microsoft fashion, we have a ton of 365s out there.
1: So perfect.
0: No, you hit it right on the head.
1: Gotcha. And, and uh, yeah, part of this event, which was great, was... Uh, was that they were launching developer initiatives around the Windows 10X dual-screen devices and Surface Duo, and Xamarin had a big part of that. This was a fun event. Uh, I was there. I wasn't in the keynote, but I was behind the scenes of the keynote, rest assured, on the Xamarin bits, and an amazing team uh, that was pulling stuff together, Uh, John Dick, Shane, um, uh, Javier, uh, David, uh, myself, I'll work on this, uh, together. Um, I was just sort of, I didn't, I didn't do any of the hard, the hard work that the, the entire team besides me made it all happen. I was just orchestrating on the Redmond side of things. And yeah, we had a great demo. Xamarin was all throughout the entire, uh, keynote. Uh, Kevin Gallo showed off this beautiful app that we built called Xamarin TV. I mean, they did a deep dive into, um, um, Xamarin cross platform development for both uh, Windows 10X dual screen devices and the Surface Duo and with that came the announcement of our brand new Xamarin Forms dual screen SDK which also released uh on the 11th the same day which was very exciting has a bunch of new helper APIs and a new two-pane view the two-pane view does all the hard work it manages screens it you know avoids the hinge it, reacts to rotation. You just say where it needs to go. Uh, we're built into the documentation. Uh, it's very exciting. There's a great blog post that uh, David put out about um, Xamarin uh, coming to the, the Surface Neo and Duo and, and and the app was shown across, you know, a Windows 10 desktop, Windows 10 uh, X on the Surface Neo emulator and on the Surface Duo and got to show Visual Studio and the, the emulators and, and video playback and all this stuff. Uh, too, which is very exciting. And there's been a bunch of, uh, obviously, excitement uh, uh, from the community on Twitter and, and on the following the events. And yeah, it was, it was a blast. Uh, I, and I even had a deep dive session. When you go to the virtual event page, and I think it'll be on YouTube, too, is there's a, a building dual screen experiences with Xamarin session. Uh, it's 19 minutes long. I, I did that uh, as well. Uh, so you can go and get a deeper dive information and uh, on it too. So it was really exciting because it was this, I mean, we have a lot of non-Xamarin events, right? Build and Ignite and .NET Conf and Xamarin's a, a part of those, but sort of, it, it was great to work together with these teams to sort of see one big happy family on these brand new devices coming together. So I thought that was quite excellent.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. First off, it was well, big congratulations to the team to get everything out there and ready for a huge show and just to have it ready. And it's a lot of pressure. I'm sure all our listeners know when you have a big deadline to have it all, to get a project done, It's it can be a lot. And to have the team deliver like that is, is awesome. And especially then to see the Xamarin logo all over the place and just be, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I, I had nothing to do with it. And in fact, I didn't even know the show was going on that day. I had a meeting with uh, Dave no later that day, and he's like, did you watch? I'm like, watch what? I had no idea <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> but yeah, it w- that was that's totally awesome. And so, James, do you think it was on February 11th that we announced you know, the the experience for dual screen? Do you think the one and the one played any any uh, factor into it, like dual screens? And you had two ones on each side? Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. It could be
1: i thought just thought of it right now that's what you get when you listen to matt radio <laughs> <laughs> matt radio <laughs> coming in with all the cool insights on data analysis yeah. uh yeah that could be yeah i mean who who knows but it was a fun event and uh, you definitely go watch back all of them if you haven't so boom
0: yeah we'll link to everything in the show notes for sure so you definitely check it out so and another cool thing with the um SDK for the dual screens I do believe you have to be running forms 4.5 the preview release is that correct James That is correct yep All right. and of course then 4.5 preview release is out then and there's a couple of cool features with that my favorite one is the embedded fonts and what's super cool about that is before if you wanted to embed fonts you always could do that with forms but you actually had to go into each platform project add it at least in uh, iOS you had to mess with the info info.plist and everything now it's just a assembly attribute that you have to add to the to the assembly info.cs file in your forms project and then just use it you know, just use it in your label just use font family equals whatever the font name is done that's super cool i mean it's it's just one of those changes that makes life easier for for the developers out there And um, what's even what I really like about the embedded fonts are the uh, glyph fonts, like font awesome, stuff like that to make um, pretty pictures. So it's just all about that UI. And uh, yeah, so that's one of my favorite features that came out of it. Another cool feature is the media element. And that was featured pretty heavily in the in the in the dual screen Xamarin TV app uh, because that was the TV portion of it. And. That's something we've been um, trying. I'm not sure how long we've been trying to do, but that's actually kind of brand new to the whole world of uh, Xamarin Forms. So that's that's another really super cool thing that we just put out in Forms 4.5, and then um, Android X, which we've been talking about for a long time. When you're targeting Android 10, that's going to come along for the ride. You get it now by default. And then the last thing, and uh, we were talking about this before the show, is um, it's Trigger Mania a ton of different <laughs> new triggers in uh, Forms 4, 4.5. There's like a compare state trigger, an adaptive trigger, device state trigger, an orientation state trigger, just a ton of, ton of different things. So let's just take like the orientation state trigger. So correct me when I'm wrong here, James, because I might get it wrong because there's so many different ones. But like an orientation straight, state, let's say your device is landscape. You change it over to portrait. Things are gonna. You can have things automatically change on screen based off of that trigger happening. So you no longer have to change, be listening to it in the code behind or your view models. It's just going to set it up in your XAML or set it up through C sharp in the the triggers, and it just change your properties that way. So it's kind of more declarative programming, so to speak. So and there's a ton of different triggers that you can use with it. So there's a ton of 4.5 has a lot of goodness in it. I mean, it's a pretty big release. So those, those uh, dot numbers, each one of them is really, sh- they probably should be big numbers in front, but I guess there's no breaking changes in it. So why, why bump up the big number, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in this one.
1: Yeah. I'm really excited about the state triggers The more that I understand them because I didn't realize there were so many in there. The more I start to think of how it'll be easier to do responsive design in my mind, because when you are rotating from landscape to portrait, you want to change your grids, or you want to change um, how many um, columns you know are visible in, let's say, a collection view. And, and right now I do this in my code. I, I, I have my collection view listening to a dynamic uh, resource, uh, which is an integer, and whenever I rotate the device, I have a listener. And when I rotate it, then I set that value. But now I can just have an orientation state trigger and say, hey, when it's in landscape, show one. And when it's in, you know, uh, landscape, show two. Or when it's on a specific device, show five, right? It's kind of kind of really nice. And uh, it's going to, I know a lot of this kind of comes from the, the dub WPF UWP world. And there's more of these different adaptive sort of triggers, but it's quite nice. I think it's super super um, good to see just more customization to help developers be more responsive, especially with the dual screen devices. And uh, that'll be nice. And yeah, I, I agree with you on the embedded font. Super cool media element audio and video. Really really nice. And and that that one's that one's been there for a while. So that's exciting. So good release. Go go check it out. Um, and. While you're checking out previews, how about Visual Studio 16.5 preview two? Uh, This is packed full of goodies for anyone developing on Windows. Um, This was the first preview with Xamarin Hot Restart, which allows you to deploy directly to an iOS device. It'll package up a, a package and allow you to restart your application without having to do a full compilation. It's super cool. Um, also in here surprise for Android developers building Android XML user interfaces. They have apply changes. It's sort of the XAML hot reload, uh, for Android developers. This came from the Android, Android studio world, but this allows you to apply resource changes while you're debugging your application. So it does like a quick diff and re-exports the DLL and does a bunch of magic. So that's cool. Um, also, optimizations around um, like XAML document outlines. So you can get a nice visual outline there. And then also, um, faster Android startup um, with a new custom profile startup tracing, which is super nice. Startup tracing was a feature we talked a lot about previously, which was a predefined profile for both Android and Xamarin Forms that sort of ahead of time compiled the bits needed to start your app. But now you can run a few command lines and uh, create a custom profile. So that helps package up your application with this custom profile to finely tune that startup performance. And this is a really great feature. So uh, definitely check out that one. Uh, If you're developing over on Windows, install that preview. You can install your previews side by side. Don't forget that. They both work. Yeah, that startup
0: tracing is amazing. And now they can really get down and turn the knobs. That's going to be even better. But yeah, definitely check that out. That's so so cool. And in lockstep, if there's a Visual Studio update, there's going to be a Visual Studio for Mac update. Well, a preview update in this case. And um, 8.5 Preview 2 out on the streets. And a lot of the um, changes are the, are the same that happened in VS 2019, such as the um, uh, startup tracing is in there. The uh, XAML document outline is in there. But there's two pretty cool ones that aren't in the ones on Visual Studio 2019 that are in the Mac version. And the first one is you get to pick which storyboard designer you, you want loading by default. So if you're still doing um, storyboard designing in traditional Xamarin.iOS, and usually you can just load it up with um, within the Xamarin or Visual Studio Mac designer. A lot of times, though, you switch over, at least I, I do, switch over to Xcode. Now you can just say, all right, I always want to bump Xcode open. I always want to edit an Xcode. So it's just a nice little improvement in your workflow instead of just having to right click and uh, go into Xcode that way. And then the other one, which is super duper cool, and I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I can't believe this is actually happening, is multi-target. Hot reload. (laughs) Yeah. For yeah, for different devices. So now you can actually see your changes to your XAML files happen both in Android, the the Android emulator and the iOS simulator at at the same time, James. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's super duper cool. I mean you can now now you're you know you're playing around on both devices because a lot of times there's gonna be tweaks that you have to make just for Android or tweaks you just have to make for iOS or to get that precise look and now you can see it both at the same time and not have to uh, mess around on each individually so that's a big time saver
1: I think so it's one of those features that you may not use all the time but you'll be happy that it exists when you do need to do that so I can definitely see myself using that in uh, demos and uh, in different things I've used the I have used the multi debugging before when I present like signal R and I just want to launch and make changes and then redeploy to both the devices. I don't have to toggle back and forth and start and stop. So I set up a custom profile to to do both and it takes five seconds to set up. So definitely check that out. That is for sure. Oh, boy, we got a bunch of other stuff going on. We had some great blogs in and around triggers that we'll be talking about today. The first one, it was, it's trigger mania, to be honest with you. There's this trigger visual mania. state manager, visual state manager everywhere. The first one was from um, our good friend, uh, Gerald, uh, who's on the Xamarin forms team. And he, uh, he wrote a bunch of blogs I said, you should be writing more blogs for our blog, Gerald stop, you know, and I said, you, these are great blogs, put them on our blog. I'm like, I love your blog, but, I'll, but you know, you, come, you know, I know you got a bunch of unique things. So how about you come uh, write some great blogs and share that content? And he wrote a great one on a feature that's called um, it's the visual state manager with using a new property called target name. So this is something that's in, in the world. It's visual state manager has been around for a while. And this one is also in 4.5 pre-release. So this is another one that's in that pre-release, but it was in the first pre-release. So pre three has new, new, new stuff. This is even in the first one. So if you had upgraded and tried it at all, it's there. So when you have the visual states, such as you know, normal and invalid and whatever, you'd have these states. You would normally just set a uh, a property on them. But now, what you can do is you can um, assign multiple setters for multiple controls via the name of their control. So previously, you would assign this on like on the label itself. So then you'd have to duplicate this code everywhere because each label or each button would have to have these visual state groups. So it's like super tedious because you're just copying and pasting code around. But now you can say is, hey, um, I have a bunch of controls inside of this layout. Let's say a stack layout. You can just have a visual state manager with a state of invalid or normal. And when you set it, you can say, set the property for this specific control so here um i could say target name like label welcome and button welcome or whatever and then i could uh, apply the specific property um that i want so i would i would i would define the name of it so i'd be like label text color and button text color and it would figure out how to do that so it's it's really nice so you can remove a bunch of duplicate code in your application uh when you already have states so you can think of i'm just going to set here's one big state for the page and then i'm going to apply um, all these different property setters and things like that. So it just really minimizes the code. So that's a good one.
0: Yeah, I I'll be honest, I kind of stayed away from the visual state manager because it was just so much typing. It was mm-hmm. a lot. And now this really minimizes it. You can do a lot of uh it's Visual State Manager is super duper cool, and just being able to minimize that typing and be able to target a bunch of different c- child controls within like a stack layout is uh totally worth it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So,
0: we talked about I think last, well we've been talking about Android app bundles forever, um, mm-hmm. like four or five months in a row. And the Android app bundles really lets you shrink your um, deliverable app to to the customers, like so you can include localization languages just for people like say in Germany or or Italy. And a lot of people, maybe everybody, should be using DevOps to. Check your code in and run a bunch of tests and and whatnot. You can now easily do Android app bundles within both App Center and Android or Azure DevOps, which is great because I believe you you could do it in App Center before. Now it's even easier. It's just a flip of a switch. And mm-hmm. um, what's even better is that you can actually go and download that app bundle as well. From right from App Center, then you can do some side loading if you want. And um, there's a couple more steps that you would have to do in DevOps, but it's pretty much the same thing as you would do if you were building a regular um, APK file. Is that you need the key store, but you're and you're going to build it the same way. But when you you're just adding a couple of build arguments to the um, when you're actually building building the file. And it's um, yeah, app bundles. James, what do you say? Everybody should be using it from here on out? Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's super awesome that they're in uh, our two DevOps offerings. So and it's super mean. It couldn't be easier to add in. So why not?
1: That's true. I uh, I did write that blog post <laughs> a while ago and I was like, really really happy. It finally went out. I was like, well, this isn't a super important blog post, but I want to go out at some point. And we finally got it. So that was good. Uh, all right, last trigger last trigger talk, last Visual State Manager talk, because we got one more here uh, that I think is a nice practical use. So we've talked about all the things that it supports, but what can you do with the thing? That's uh, always a nice topic for a specific blog. Like, what's a real world? Yeah, sure, I see the samples and I'm changing a background color and I'm changing the text color. But come on, like, what's the real world uh, use case over there? So our good friend Ben over on our mobile customer advisory team wrote this great little blog post about how to update the tab icons on tabs. Let's say you're using shell or using a tab page um, to selected or unselected state using fonts. So I thought this was super neato um, and with state triggers. So uh, what he does here is um, he's able to apply, Sort of style triggers. So what he says is when um, the tab is checked, show a specific font that is, and checked is actually selected. So that's kind of a, a cool trick in there, in there. But so when it's checked in quotes here, show an icon that's like filled completely. So it shows it's selected. But if it's false, use a font that is sort of not filled. So it's like an unselected state. So a lot of like font awesome, for example, has a regular and then it has a solid of the same icon. So it's the same exact uh, glyph, same exact, font, um, you know, glyph that you would use, but it's either filled or not filled. And and I've, I've uh, wrote about how to do this with renderers and a bunch of other stuff in the past. And it's quite a lot of code to or to kind of trick the system into doing this. But this is great because it's built right into the box. I would have never thought of this uh, and that's really, really, really nice to see. I do hope that Xamarin Forms just p- puts it in of having a um, selected icon and unselected icon or just a generic icon, you know, as a, a fallback. That would be the ideal scenario. But you could imagine using just this sort of style trigger for just about anything. So it's super duper cool. So uh, definitely give that blog a look because I'm going to go update my Handsome Forms application with this. So boom.
0: Nice. Yeah, I was reading through this. The blog is like, no way. That's it's obvious in hindsight, but you never think of it beforehand. And these uh, practical blogs are the are the greatest, greatest ones there. And I don't remember if he was using the embedded fonts or not from Forms 4.5, but he totally could. Yeah, so. totally should. <laughs> so do it. Yep. And speaking of embedded fonts, this next one has absolutely nothing to do with embedded fonts. <laughs> But um, if you've submitted a app to the iOS store lately and you're using UI WebView, you've probably got a, a mean note from Apple saying you're using something that's gonna be deprecated, change it out. And that's because by default, Forms under the hood is you still using UI WebView. And come April, I think, all new apps submitted to the App Store are gonna get rejected if you're still using UI WebView. And in December, of this year, uh, any existing apps are going to get kicked out if you're still using UI WebView. They want to go with, I believe it's WK WK WebView Renderer instead. Mm -hmm. So the team obviously totally on it, and they've come up with a solution to fix it. So the solution is Forms 4.5 Preview. And then there's a a couple different mTouch arguments that you need to, to pass in on the over or on the ios project properties you can set that um our good friend gerald wrote a blog post on how to do it it's really he goes through what the team actually had to go through to do it which is they had to work to get it done they got it done but for us super easy to to switch out upgrade to 4.5 and it's just just a command line add some properties to it and then uh, one line done and done and then apple will be super happy with our apps going forward
1: yeah. And let's make sure people know your app's not going to get removed from the app store. You just won't be able to submit new apps or update your existing app without adding this flag in there. So if you have apps today, they're not going to get removed, right? Um, right. Um, it's just that. So be aware of that. And, you know, this is, uh, you know, Google makes these changes and Apple makes these changes all the time where you got to update things. And this to me, it was actually um, a good, a good, it's a bad thing and a good thing, right? So uh, the, the good part is that the bad part is that you got to go do this, right? But the good part is that um that really your app is probably already using the WK stuff because it's been in Xamarin forms for like so long, then that was the default. So you you already have that. And the other good part is that with this starts to come um the linker ability of Xamarin forms. So Xamarin forms traditionally is not linked at all. Away, And if you turn on full linker, you got to you know put a bunch of DLLs to, to link, skip Xamarin forms. But this sort of starts the ability to 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 remove some Z- Xamarin form stuff out of there, which is which is cool. So this could, in theory, long term, I don't want to speak for the team, but if, if I'm imagining it, it could really help reduce some of the stuff that's in um, that's included in your app when you when you use Form. So if you like never use media element, then you don't need all the media element stuff. So don't include any of that code. Then that's how the linker works. So um, that would be really cool. So uh, we'll see how that goes kind of long-term, but it's pretty exciting. Just you can already get it. You can already give it a go. So boom, there we go. Yeah. There we go. And that's the end of the news. So let's get on to everyone's favorite part of the podcast, especially Matt's favorite part of the podcast, that cloud Azure news, what you got for us this month.
0: All right, so the first one, I don't, it's not exactly news, but it was news to me. And uh, it's called the Azure Quick Start Center. And so, Azure, James, guess how many Azure services there are out there right now? 5,284. 5,283. Oh. 84th is coming next week. Nice. No, there's Beautiful. over like, 100, there's like 180 different Azure services. And if you're looking to get started, it might be just a little bit overwhelming on where to go. So what this quick start center is, it started as a hack day project, which at Microsoft is a, or a hack week project, I believe. So during the summertime at Microsoft, we get like a week to work on, I guess, pet projects, you know, that bring them to fruition. And what this project did became a full-time job for somebody then to bring it out. And it started from a hack week project to a full-time job. And it's to guide people through picking which Azure service best fits their scenario. So in order to use it, it's called the Quick Start Center. Um, You would go into the Azure portal, and then on the top of the portal, there's this um, search bar. Just type in Quick Start Center into that global search, and it'll come up. And then let's say you wanted to create create a database or create a website It's going to essentially ask you some questions on what you're doing and it'll guide you step by step on what you should pick. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it kind of takes a guesswork out of like, oh, should I do a VM because I have a lift and shift or just go right to an Azure function because I'm just doing Web API. Just do it. And um, it even shows you how to manage your costs too. Mm. So VMs are on constantly 24 hours a day might be a little bit too much if you're just serving a couple of web APIs that a function should handle because they they're only getting hit, you know. Even if they're only getting hit a couple hundred times a day, you don't need a virtual machine to have spun spun up 24 hours a day. So it's yeah, I mean, it's just super cool, and it really is just made to help you out pick the best solution to your to your problem. So nice, yeah. It was news to me. I'm like, oh, that's that's super cool. So I'll I'll put a link to the to the show about that. Um, um, Donovan Brown hosted an Azure Friday where where they went over that. So super nice. Nice. And this other one, since we're kind of talking about APIs, is um, the Azure API management tool. So I guess I'll give a, I want to talk about just a feature of this tool, but to give a background of what API management is, is let's say you were, I, I always think of like dark Dotnet uh, is like they provide a bunch of weather APIs. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, some of them are free for use and other ones you have to pay to get to. And so how do you manage all of that? Like like then there's quotas and then there's throttling and all that other stuff that goes along with it. Well, the API management tool handles that stuff or helps you set that up. So that's a quick overview of what it, what it is. And so they just released this new tool, which helps you publish it and create like this website over the top of it where you can actually advertise which APIs you have. And you can get documentation out to developers and let the developers actually test the APIs right within this portal. And even better, this portal all compiles down essentially to a static website. And so this website you can host through API management or you can host it yourself if you wanted to add, if you wanted to change it and customize it and make it your own. And it's kind of like this drag and drop uh, CMS type system. So it's it, it was super duper cool. And when I saw it, I was like, wow, this is it's CMS, but it's kind of sitting. It lets you create like a storefront essentially for your APIs. And API management itself was super cool. Now this is just kind of like taking you that one step further. So I just wanted to let everybody know about that. And then in this last one, James makes me super sad, which is why I kind of buried it at the end. But um, App Center, their MBAS features are now getting retired. Mm-hmm. So, Didn't, not, n- not making it out of preview. Not making it out of preview. All right. And um, I believe early May they'll be gone, gone. So, right now you can still use them. So, if you have anything built on them, we have time to transition off. But um, data and authentication will have to transition over to Cosmos DB and B2C directly they were using both of those underneath the hood but now you're going to have to move to them and use the sdks directly against cosmos and b2c push is going to stay around for a little bit longer than that i offhand don't know the retirement date for that but it's going to stay around a little bit longer but um maybe best serve to uh, start moving off to that as well the notification hubs so yep sad day especially since i was so so excited about it
1: but um yeah it is what it is. So it is. I mean, the nice thing is that you were using Cosmos and all the B 2 C front of the B 2 C stuff under the hood, and that it was in preview. And uh, you know, I, I uh, the other parts of App Center are still uh, is their focus. So their focus around sort of the DevOps part of it with um, build and distribute and analytics crash reporting are still their laser focus, and, and that's uh, they're going to continue to build build service around that, which is which is great because I still use all, the, all that stuff in my apps for a very long time, so.
0: Yep, and those are not going anywhere. Yeah. So, all right, which brings us to the App Service of the Month, which I should have been Azure API Management, but I'm going to talk about something a little bit different here. And um, it's this one is not necessarily a service because it applies across a bunch of different Azure services and it's called the Azure Manage Identities. And so what this is great at is that it removes the um, you don't have to put any credentials into your apps anymore to access different Azure services. So, for example, let's say you're creating a Web API and that Web API needs to get at like Cosmos DB or it needs to get at Azure storage for something. Normally, what you would have to do is have like a Web config file or something like that with the credentials to get at those different services. So what Azure Managed Identities does is as soon as you deploy that up to Azure, essentially what you do is enable it, and then that service, your web app, is now in Active Directory as you can think of it as a person. Mm -hmm. And now that web app, since it's a person, can now, through row-based access control, access Cosmos or it can access storage as whatever roles you grant it. So if you just want it read-only, it just says read-only. If you want it full writing, it can do full writing. So it takes away the need to have any credentials hard-coded anywhere, even in a config file. So super duper cool that you can do it do it that way. And it really kind of means no real big coding changes for you on the front end when you're writing it. So it's just a way to make your apps more secure and really utilize Active Directory since whenever you create an azure subscription you are really kind of creating an active directory instance that goes along with it so yeah
1: yeah very cool yeah i love i love always love talking about these uh these new crazy services that i know nothing about so i'm quite excited about that so uh, that's pretty rad i love it so definitely take a look at that and uh yeah if you need some auth got that ad so definitely take a look at that and oh man we added a new um to Xamarin Essentials 1.4, I don't think there's actually a package out. By the time maybe this is out, there'll be a preview package of it out, but the team added a web authenticator API. This is cool because it mirrors the like Windows web authenticator, but it allows you to, uh, our sample at least, you can hit any back end. but ASP.NET Core is great for this because they do all the web authentication into basically anything for you. And the idea is stop putting secrets and stuff into your app and put them on your server and log into the server and let the server handle refreshing and tokens and all this stuff. So you, instead of calling Twitter to refresh the token, you call your, you call your backend, which then refreshes the token and returns it to your app or let your backend query the data on Twitter and not your app. You know what I mean? Like get the logic out of your app to do the things because your backend should be the, the in-between to do that. And, uh, and uh, it's a great little API. It's like one line of code to say like authenticate user or something like that. And you, in your backend, there's a great ASP.NET sample. You create an, uh, a mobile controller that, that does all the routing and, and uses Chrome custom tabs and SF Safari view and the, the UWP authenticator and really handles it. So if you need to do social auth into your backend that already has some social authors, boom, it puts it together. We'll have some great docs on it. We'll probably talk about it next month a lot when 1.4 is should be out, I think, hopefully by then. So we'll talk about it a lot more next month. Uh, we'll have some great docs on it. But I do want to mention that we have some great upcoming events that you should totally be aware of. On the 24th of February is the Visual Studio for Mac refresh event. My good friend John Galloway has been working um, to create a rock star event over here of amazing topics of things that you can build in Visual Studio for Mac so I'll run it down. There's a keynote with Amanda Silver, Scott Hunter, and John Galloway to kick off the day at 9 a.m. There's building Blazor apps with Dan Roth and Kendra Havens. Real time with SignalR with Brady Gaster. Um, ASP.NET Core on a Mac with Syed um, and John. Serverless with Jeff Holland. Who doesn't love a little Jeff Holland in their life? Come on now. Uh, building mobile apps with Maddie Legere and myself, James Montemagno, as long as I can get there on time. Uh, my good friend, uh, Abdullah, is going to give a uh, Unity talk uh, for Mac OS developers. Michaela is going to be there giving a productivity developing with .NET on a Mac. And then Jeff Fritz, and Je- of course, Jeff Fritz is going to do a virtual attendee party um, as well. So definitely check it out. Um, we'll have links in the show notes. And of course, if you want Xamarin stuff, we got something for you. We have our upcoming .NET Conf Focus on Xamarin event focus dot dot net focus dot net focus dot dot net dot net jeez oh, um <laughs> uh pretty exciting about this um this is happening on march 23rd so we'll reiterate it next month on the pod but it's a full day live stream xamarin goodness event uh we had blazer in january xamarin in march super excited the uh, initial agenda came out um I'll run this down really quick. All things Xamarin, Maddie Legere, David Ortnow, now just gonna crush it and do an awesome opening session. Maddie's gonna do Xamarin productivity to the max. Our good friends Javier and Gerald doing Visualize Your Data, Collection View, Carousel View, and Beyond. Uh, myself and all of the lovely individuals in the community. And our partners are going to do a spectacular session called "Spectacular Components for Xamarin Apps." I'm really excited about this one. It's a great session where I have to do nothing, and uh, and, and everyone. <laughs> I could see, I could see why you're excited. I just stand up there. It's going to be great. Um, this is a good one. David and Guy Marin. Um, Guy is from the the Android Dual Screen team, um, developing dual screen experiences with Xamarin. Uh, Sweeki. Is uh, coming back developing performant Xamarin apps, picking a backend for your Xamarin apps. I'm real interested in this one from our good friend Matt Sokup. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's I don't Given know. that one, get excited. Uh, then we have some great community sessions. Uh, Kadrina is going to do one on testing your Xamarin app. Barty uh, is going to do one called building and marketing award winning Xamarin apps. He's won a Google Design Awards and Google Play Awards with his Xamarin, Xamarin apps. Um, Rodney Littles, a uh, second going reactive with reactive extensions, uh, and UI, and then Alexander Santos Costa developing accessible apps. And we have two more TBDs. I'm locking in a few speakers. If they would email me back speakers, you know who you are. So, um, just email me back. But yeah, I'm really excited about it. Check it out in the show notes. And, uh, I think that's going to do it. Anything else from you?
0: I'm excited for these events. I mean, VS for Mac, this is almost like a visual studio for Windows launch with everybody that's going to be there. And I love, love the community sessions that are coming up for the focus on Xamarin, the dot, 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 focus
1: Xamarin. I love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you can check us out at Xamarin Podcast. What is it? XamarinPodcast.com? XamarinPodcast.com. Yep, that's a website. Uh, You follow us on Twitter. I'm at James Montemagno, at Matt. That's you. That's me. That's you. That's where you can get it. We have uh, YouTubes. We have um, we have emails. We have um, other things on the internet. You can find us. Just, just Google us. Bing us. You'll, you'll figure us to find us out. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next month, this has been your Xamarin Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, James. We'll see you next month.